Hello and welcome to the Laurel Park edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the Red-Headed Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. And this message, <clears throat> along with the scriptures, were part of the outdoor service in Skokie, <clears throat> pardon me, on August 28, 2022. It was a rather breezy day, and so it's possible that the wind may have created some some issues with the sound quality. I don't know that, um, but it's possible, so be forewarned. Our lector is Katie Shirky Aguayo, whom I had the privilege of baptizing as a young adult uh, over 20 years ago, and she drives down from Gray's Lake. Um, to be our lector today. And the readings are from Jeremiah, Hebrews, and Luke. <clears throat> the, the gospel passage is the focus of the message, and it's not a message that seems to be on the surface all that applicable to most of us. It's about invitations and being a guest or being a host, and whom to invite or where not to sit, and so on. It it really seems to play to motive, as well as in some degree, to some degree, situations that you and I really may not resonate with in our time and culture. So I have sought to find um, things that still do apply, principles that emerge from the teaching that we can still use. <clears throat> and so I hope you'll find uh, the scriptures and the, the sermon um, something that will upbuild you in your living of the Christian life. Towards that end, let's hear the scriptures and uh, the rest of the the rest of the show. Here we go. Thank you for tuning in. Following the lectionary, a list of suggested reading for today and each Sunday we have the second chapter of the book of Jeremiah, verses 4 through 13. The Lord lets Israel know how gravely disappointed he is in how Israel turned away from all God had done for them. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things? and became worthless themselves. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through, where no, food, where no one lives. I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered and defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination, the priest did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal. And went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Kadar and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. 
Has a notion changed its God, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. This ends the reading from Jeremiah. Our epistle comes from the letter of the Hebrews, whose authorship is unknown, but we know that the main thrust of the letter is to encourage wavering believers to never give up in the face of persecution. Here are verses from its final chapter, verses 1 through 8, and then verses 15 and 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured, as though you yourself were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Though Christ then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This ends the reading from Hebrews 13. Those of you who are able, please stand up for the reading of the gospel lesson. This morning we stay in Luke, the gospel for the lectionary year C we are in. The reading is Luke 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when, you arrive, but when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves to be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the res resurrection of the righteous. Here ends the reading from Luke and the scriptures for this morning's service. May God grant us a wise and generous understanding of this the word of God for the people of God. Some of you know uh, our fellow church member Phil Lindroth from his days in Sunday school. Some of you instead think first of his several years serving as our church treasurer. 
Or maybe you remember him as an excellent first baseman and shortstop for Archer's softball team. But something unrelated that he taught me, without knowing that he taught me, was a specific way of putting others first. I remember this. Longtime members of St. Peter's who park in the village lot just east of our building might recall that for years I parked my car in the southwest corner, the southwest corner spot nearest the sidewalk heading toward the church building. And then one day, Helen Maurer, Phil's mother-in-law, told me that he dropped her off at the sidewalk and drove further away in the lot, nearer to Floral Avenue, and parked there. At the time, I was aware of June Peterson's increasing difficulty walking from a parked car, and she still used that lot. So I thought about what Phil did, and I stopped parking in that primo spot and began to go many spots away from it, a practice I still try to do today, except not today. I do that in part because of Phil's silent example of letting others get better parking spaces. That selflessness of his impressed me. That was Phil putting others, perhaps someone like June Peterson, first, above himself in a practical and meaningful way. There is a dynamic of humility in that, of service, and as I said, of putting others first. There are lots of you who do that, and without drawing attention to yourselves, as a reflection of who you are and of your Christian faith. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. Coming to worship, even as a member like Phil, be our guest all the same. In the context of the parable, be a guest who does not seek out places of honor. We are all equally members of the body of Christ. And the body needs all of its parts to find the callings of mission and ministry. Special consideration should be given in ways like Phil's for others less I cannot let this parable go without sharing this story one more time. When I was a senior about to graduate from seminary, the school held a senior banquet or, or some kind of recognition for the seniors, and the faculty who were retiring in their current capacity were also invited. As Bruce Gillette and I sat in a table in the back, not near the front row of chairs for honored faculty, the one and only Dr. Bruce Metzger, one of our professors, came in and sat down with us. We talked with him about the terms classes just concluded. Well, who is Bruce Metzger? You know that we use the new revised standard version of the Bible. It was translated by a large committee of scholars commissioned by the National Council of Churches. Bruce Metzger, a world-renowned scholar, chaired the new RSV committee. He sits down next to two of his graduating students, us. He made a comment about my final paper for his course on the book of Revelation. He'd already graded it. After some more chit-chat with the two Bruces, 
someone comes up to uh, Professor Metzger and tells him he's supposed to be sitting up there on the dais level. There is a place designated for him. He dutifully went up then, but he clearly demonstrated this teaching of modesty, community, and of putting others first in a way. He did not exalt himself nor presume to. He must have figured that he'd be called up, but he sat first with us in the spirit of this parable. Be our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. <laughs> be our host. We are all in this together if we follow the same Lord. Jesus does not teach that we should never have places of honor at banquets, but he is teaching us not to be presumptuous to, I, what seat of honor might be reserved for you or me, but simply, but to simply and gratefully receive where the host wants us to be, if there even is a seating arrangement. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, Jesus said, and that sounds to me like a call to be humble and not prideful. Simply receive. And don't pretend to be humble in order to be seen being brought up to a place of higher honor either. Receive and be glad. There are different ways, we're not having communion today, but there are different ways to partake of the bread in the Lord's Supper. If there's a plate passed, you take a piece of bread or a wafer or perhaps that pre-filled wafer-topped cup that we haven't put in those plates yet. If it is rail communion, like on Ash Wednesday, and the celebrant holds half the loaf, either you take a piece from the loaf, or the celebrant takes it and gives it to you. Now, I've always preferred, when I'm at the receiving end, to receive the piece of bread in that case. It feels grabby to me to take it, and that's just me. But it also feels right to simply pause and stop and receive the bread of heaven, the body of Christ, the grace of God. It seems now like a way to be a guest, especially in the messianic wedding banquet that's foretold in Isaiah and in parts of the book of Revelation, when time reaches its cosmic climax. There's a reason, I think, why Jesus chose for this parable, and it was easy to miss, a wedding banquet. There's a reason, I think, why he chose that, because in Revelation 19, we hear of, quote, the voice of a great multitude crying out, let us rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Again, a few verses later, And the angel said to me, Blessed are those who were invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, Christ is the Lamb who was slain, and so is symbolized by the groom. The bride symbolizes the church. It is not without irony that in 1981, Bob Dylan wrote and sang a song called The Groom's Still Waiting at the Altar. The church has not made herself ready enough yet. So Jesus is pointing in the parable not only to better spiritual maturity at parties and receptions, but also to spiritual preparation for the great wedding banquet at the end of time, also known as the eschaton. It's about more than just seeking or not seeking a place of honor in our human time. It's about how we wear the clothes of grace and calling in this life. 
It's about being cool, with being invited, and welcome to the banquet of the Messiah at the end of time, not seeking honor, but to serve and praise. Be our guest. Be our host. Jesus implores his listeners and disciples through the centuries to resist throwing parties for whom you know you have a good chance of them inviting you to their place someday. For here he tells the would-be host, not of a wedding banquet exactly, but the, his host at that time and then by extension would-be hosts, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. This reminds me of another passage when Jesus taught us to give and not expect to get repaid. Just be generous for the sake of helping someone. It's not about you. It's about the Christ who lives in you. To give or lend and expect nothing in return. Well, it's generally not a loving relationship. It is a transactional one. And that the love can't be present. Because sometimes we lend to someone and negotiate some kind of... Because that's what's agreed upon. It's not the motive for the lending at all to get repaid and get some money back as a result. That seems to be... You know, there's, when we give out of love or lend, it's not calculating a blessing to come back to you. It's just given out of a heart of love. And that's the motive in hosting, too. How many times did Jesus feed the crowds and ask for nothing in return? When he healed people, he might have instructed him or her to go to the priest, but never asked for money or making a request that now you've got to follow me. In fact, there's a, a small, it's, it's a minority theory, but that the fact that he was healing people for free got the doctors of his day who charged for their services, just like they do now, to develop a lobby together and advocate with the Pharisees and scribes that he's got to be gone. They did that to Paul in Ephesus with the silver goddess makers of the, uh, the guild, but I digress. We host a party for the joy of entertaining, of being together with those folks, for community and a meal, maybe even entertainment, with no cover charge at the door, or a pledge of asking us to over to their next event. You've got to sign this and say you're going to invite me to your next gig. Love does not act like that. Love does seem to want to invite those whom you'd stereotypically expect Jesus to invite. Remember the first verse from the Gospel that Katie read. Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, on Shabbat. As Dr. Metzger taught us, we have to pay attention to whom Jesus was talking when we discuss what he said. It may be a teaching particularly for them. And that could be the case here. Maybe those leaders of the Pharisees were the least likely to even think of inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. So he told them this. Some of you remember Dave Schechter. When he died, I attended his funeral in support of his widow and St. Peter's member, Evelyn. At the cemetery, for the first time, I was exposed to the Jewish ritual of shoveling the pile of dirt back into the grave. 
the idea behind it is you are doing something to help the deceased knowing that this is something they can never repay you but we do it all the same as a gift and a duty if you the host invite those who cannot invite you in return you've got the spirit of the kingdom in you and jesus went on to conclude and you will be blessed for because they cannot repay you because you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous remember i said there is an eschatological or last days dynamic behind this passage so how does a host invite people whom he she or they do not even know are folks who are healthy and well off to take this literally or was it for just those Pharisees? Well, I think that Jesus, that is Jesus' first meeting, to take it literally, it goes back to the roots to say of God's love for all people, especially the vulnerable and the powerless, but God's love working through you and me. The parable also speaks, though, of why we invite those whom we invite. Because we're going to get repaid. We're going to get invited back. So we'll invite them because I'm pretty sure they'll invite us back. If that's your motive, Jesus says, uh-uh. Not part of the kingdom in that regard. As an invited guest, Jesus urges you and me to forget social status and just receive the blessing there. As a host doing the inviting, he urges us to expand our social circles, perhaps, somehow. He came to break down more than one barrier. Jesus came to help us build a Christ community that embraces and invites all, particularly those who are on the outside of most parties and luncheons, otherwise looking in. We are not to be like the rich man elsewhere in Luke, who kept Lazarus at a distance outside his gate always, who may or may not have been fed from Lazarus's, excuse me, not Lazarus, but from the rich man's table scraps until he died outside the gate, his sores being licked by the dogs. Nor are we to set up such an event where those vulnerable are invited, and but yet they are left to visit among themselves, noticeably at different tables than the host and those resembling the host. No embarrassment of others cannot be on the menu any more than exclusion, for there is no agape love either way. Be our host. Be a host like we can imagine Jesus would have been. The meals he's talking about are in the larger community context of the people of faith and the realm of God. Fred Craddock wrote that in the kingdom of God, God is the real host. Who can repay? Jesus is therefore calling for kingdom behavior, sometimes called kingdom behavior, Inviting to table those with neither property nor place in society, or at least with no thought of a return invite. Since God is the host of us all, we as hosts are equally, we are really behaving as guests, making no claims. Craddock went on to say, Here, however, Jesus is not calling on Christians to provide for the needs of the poor and the disabled. He says to invite them to dinner. That is, he says, this is the New Testament's understanding of hospitality. The word translated hospitality, he says, literally means love of a stranger. Recall Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 
Hospitality, then, is not having each other over on Friday evenings, but welcoming those who are in no position to host us in return. Nor does the text, he says, I'm still quoting from him, nor does the text speak of sending food to anyone. Rather, the host and the guest sit at table together. The clear sign of acceptance, of recognizing each other as equals, of cementing fellowship, is breaking bread together. In the Christian community, he said, no one is a project. Be a guest. Be a host. Even though God is the ultimate host, may the Spirit of Christ enable us to both sit and receive and offer the recipe of love together. Amen. Amen. Let us Learn afresh to receive and be grateful and also to share the gospel in the ways that we live and invite and welcome and be in the community that somebody else may be hosting. Next week will be Labor Day weekend. I'm going to be following the lectionary. Those readings on the surface don't seem to be dealing with the topics of labor or rest, but I'll see what I can find because I believe in the church being connected to that holiday. Once more, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it wherever you are. We've learned that we've had listeners from the Philippines to Ireland and places in between. So to those of you who may be out there, God bless you for listening and thanks. It's great to, uh, to know that. And I hope that you're being uplifted by what you hear as well. So in the name of our triune God, may you be blessed and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Redheaded Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.